What is going on, everyone? And thank you for tuning in to Season 2, Episode 5 of The Ronan Bell Show. With me today is one of my old basketball coaches, Coach Dan Hoff, who is the definition of a player's coach. As players, we treated him like an older brother. As a coach, he treated us like his younger brothers. He's a really great guy, has done some great things in the community, has even started his own AAU basketball organization. But with all of the good things that happened, he's also had some adversity as well, just like all of us out there. So really tune in what he has to say, see how we overcame that adversity. And guys, other than that, make sure you hit that subscribe button and let's cue that intro. Coach Hoff, what is going on today, sir? Uh, the Rozone. What's up, man? How you doing? I mean, hey, nothing's really new with me. I mean, day after day, you know, it's the same with COVID. So you kind of just, uh, you're getting a really good routine. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I hear you on that one. Um, no, I'm excited. I appreciate you having me on. You know, it's definitely something I've been following along with, and we're, we're proud of you doing big things. So. <laughs> I mean, just try and get a little bit better every day. I appreciate the love. I mean, you got you got to start somewhere. I mean, yeah. this is just the start of the climb, right? Exactly, exactly. And uh, what about you know going into a little bit? How have you? What have you been doing with the whole like lockdown thing? Have you been doing anything new? Just kind of chilling out. Yeah, I mean, uh, I saw I saw a quote the other day, and it actually kind of reminded me of guys like you and me, where it said if the shutdown hasn't brought out the hustle in you, then it, it ain't in you, you know? And I, I just think that, you know, I've tried to do different things. My buddy and I started a cornhole league uh, over the summer, which was a lot of fun. Um, we're trying to build that up. And then just, you know, I got a new varsity coaching job and you know, my wife and I just bought a new house. So it's, it's actually kind of been a busy, busy shutdown for me, but it's like, like a blessing said, in disguise. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, you gotta, you know, if you really think back, you know, the year has not been, I mean, it's been rough, but there's been high points and low points for everybody. So. Yeah. And you just got to get through it. I mean, you just got to keep on keeping on. I mean, I, I write it on everything. I like so you just, I like that. Yeah. yeah. But uh, coach, before we get into like anything else, could you just tell like the listeners out there who exactly you are? Yeah. So uh, my name is Dan Hoff. Um, I've coached high school basketball in the area for a little over 10 years now. Um, I had the pleasure of coaching this young man right here that you guys are are listening to and are big fans of. Um, I run a summer league in the area, the Tri-County League, the Monstars, AAU stuff. So it's, it's been a lot of fun. And now I'm kind of seeing things go full circle with, you know, you in college, you know, doing all this exciting stuff. And I'm glad to be a part of it today. Yeah. Coach, I'm old now. Like I, like <laughs> I hit 20 and like, now I feel like, old. like, I feel like I got knee pain now. Like all those, you know, long things, like all those yeah. basketball games really, uh, really taking a toll on me now. <laughs> all those 16s from coach Tally. <laughs> oh, shout out coach Tally for all those 16s. You know, I hated <laughs> them at the time and I will still hate them forever, but you know, yeah. I miss those a little bit. <laughs> yeah. So coach, how did you exactly like get into coaching? Uh, so it was actually my senior year of high school. Uh, I was, I was a senior at Pius, which is now Pope John Paul and, uh, my political science teacher, Jack Flanagan, who's the varsity coach at Pottsgrove now was coaching at Kennedy Kenrick. And 
you know, he was kind of like a mentor of mine and, and helped out, um, you know, me with a lot of stuff. So he asked me to come on and keep the book for them and be a part of the staff. And I kind of caught the coaching bug as they call it. Uh, and from that point, you know, on, I just coached any team I could. I mean, I coached soccer, I coached tennis, I coached, you know, lacrosse. Uh, Little girls softball in there? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> undefeated, some undefeated seasons in there. Let's not rob me of those wins. So, uh, but yeah, it was, I don't know. I just, people are always like, oh, you should be a teacher, this and that. And I, I kind of feel like I am, you know, with just doing it through sports, um, which is a lot of fun. Yeah, I was just going to say that being a teacher and being a coach, like those jobs really intermesh with each other because you still have a group of kids. You're still trying to teach these kids something, even though like it might just be, you know, a game. But for some of these kids, it's way more than just a game to them. They're trying to make a career. They're trying to, you know, do something with it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. I mean, and it's just uh, with the AAU stuff and the Tri-County League, it's, it's cool. You get to coach kids outside of your school district who you wouldn't get a chance to, to coach, you know, and you, you get to know people around the area, which helps with networking and just, you know, um, all that stuff overall. Well, especially with AAU programs in the past, like 10 years, they're really growing and it's sometimes the even more competitive game of basketball rather than how it was 20 years ago where you played high school basketball and you spent your springs just kind of working out. Now you can go play somewhere instead. Yeah. So AAU, I mean, it it kind of gets, uh, it gets put into a couple groupings, you know, you have like your high level, like sneaker circuit, AAU teams, those guys, their high school teams kind of take a backseat to, and it's just the reality of it. You know, they play on like a high level AAU team. And if their high school team has an open gym in the summer, they're going to their AAU stuff. Um, our program is different. We're more like locally based, like four or five school districts. Cause you played in our program and yeah. for our high school program, like if we ever had an AAU thing, you know, coach Tally and I would expect you guys to be at the school, you know, uh, workout or team camp first. And, you know, that's kind of what I like about our AAU program is we've been able to parlay it with school basketball um, you know, and, and work, work with them together, not separate. Yeah. It's a little bit different of an environment, especially when, you know, the Monstars isn't like a huge program. It's just big enough. You know, you have, you have everyone from every walk of life. And I honestly, like the best part about AAU is you really get to meet people that like you wouldn't usually meet like high school basketball. These are your friends that like you played basketball with since you were little. And now you're like, you're taking a little bit step outside the box and now you're getting to meet people from all these other school districts yeah and that was um it was a quick story that i always like to share i don't want to go off i mean i know you're the boss you mind if i share a quick you know because you can do whatever this is your world i'm just living it. <laughs> <laughs> so uh and it just reminded me because i was just talking to him the other day uh he, he's graduating from high point uh hogan milheim uh was a kid who played at perk valley and they were one of our big rivals and his junior year going into his senior year, he played for my 17 U AAU team that I coached. And I remember the first couple of games, um, you know, he was tentative out there. He wasn't really looking to score. He wasn't as involved as he should have been. And he played with Justin Jaworski, who I believe you just had as a guest if, uh, on the show. 
in the in the terms of Springford, I hate Justin, but as a term of a guy, I, I love Justin. He's a great dude. What so, were you saying? So yeah. uh, he. Uh, you know, he played with Justin Jaworski and Sean Owen. So he was kind of like that third or fourth option, but for our spring AAU team, it, it forced him to be more aggressive and things kind of went full circle that year. Later on in school ball, he had like 15 and 10, he had a great game and he got interviewed in the paper afterwards. And he said, one of the things that helped him was playing AAU with us because it gave him a chance to, you know, work on his outside game, this and that. So uh, that was cool. I mean, him and I were just talking the other day and that was five, six years ago. And we still talk about that. So, you know, AAU gets sometimes a a bad rep, you know, for kind of being like a a circuit, like this craziness, but um, stories like that, I really enjoy sharing because I think it's pretty cool. Yeah, because you can help out way more kids. Like just being a high school coach, you're obviously helping people out, but now you get this whole other group of people that you usually wouldn't have talked to before, and you get to help them out as well. Yeah, definitely. And like you and I both said, I mean, you're you're able to coach kids from Conestoga all the way up to, you know, Reading. You know, you, you get to meet a lot of people, and I think that that's uh, – it just helps later on. I mean, there's so many guys – that have been in our program now that are trying to get involved into coaching and they coach one of our younger teams and, and they help out. So it's, it's pretty, it's pretty fun. So how did you like actually know when you wanted to become like a coach exactly Did it start when you were doing the books or just kind of, you know, moved along with it when you were in high school? Is like that the thing that you think that you wanted to do right out? Um, so this may shock you. I was actually a political science major in college. No one would have thought that. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, I, my last year heading into, um, my senior year at Westchester, I started a summer league, like a men's league at the Hill school right before the, that, that senior year. And it was just a lot of fun. I enjoyed doing it. You know, I I knew I wanted to get involved with leagues and coaching. Um, And I think that summer and then when I graduated that December, I had gotten hired at Pope John Paul as the freshman coach. And it kind of just took off from there. You know, next thing you knew, I was putting an AAU team together and it was uh, it kind of all happened so fast. And then you wake up one day and you're involved in like 10 different things. (laughs) It kind of turns into a career. So isn't it crazy how a life can just change like with the snap of your fingers? Oh yeah. I mean, I actually, I got hired at O and J Roberts when coach Tally was the varsity coach there. And then when he got hired at Springford, one of the things he told them um, in the interview was that he wanted to bring me in as his JV coach. So, you know, I always am appreciative of that from him because, you know, he looked out for me right away and, he could have easily been like, oh, we're going to a new school. We might look somewhere else, this and that. But uh, it was, you know, that meant a lot to me. And especially because it's like it's the first opportunity that you got. Like, let me like let me show you what I can do at this level now, yeah. because yeah, exactly. I proved myself at a freshman level. Like, oh, OK, like next step. Let's let's yeah. make the yeah, building exactly. blocks. Yeah. And, and that's where now, you know, the varsity job, I'm, you know, I feel like I have enough experience where uh, I can take a shot at it. Yeah, I mean, why not? And if worse comes to worse, you fail, you fail. Like, you move on. Yeah. 
Like yeah. it is what it is. Yeah. There's always yeah. something else to do. <laughs> yeah, definitely. So what about like that? Do you remember like your first time winning as a coach? Um, I, I do. I, when I was coaching, uh, when I was coaching, well, there was, there was two that I, that I remember I was coaching JV soccer, um, at St. Pius, my freshman year of college. And I remember we beat Pottsgrove two one. And I don't know, you just feel like something, you know, just, it sounds cliche, but you kind of just get like those goosebumps a little bit when you get your first win, you know? And I, I, I used to make jokes about it all the time, you know, like I would wear a tie to, to the games and stuff and pretend to take it so seriously or whatever. But as I, I was the one time, uh, I guess it was the varsity soccer coach, Ed Emberger came up to me. It was after a post game speech. And he said to me, you know, this might be something that you're going to be really good at. You should maybe stick with it. And, you know, I, I did thank God. And it's, uh, <laughs> it's worked out, but, um, basketball wise, one of my first wins that I remember was when I was, uh, the freshman coach at PJP, uh, and we, we beat Methacton one of the first games of the season. And that was something that it was, was special. I remember that. And it's crazy to think like that happened. Like, I mean, not so many years ago, coach Hoff ain't that old, but like the point that, you know, you can still remember and like that oh, feeling yeah. that yeah. you get in yeah. your chest whenever that yeah. first, like that first yeah. thing happens. Yeah, And exactly. it's like, it's addicting at that point, you know, like, I'll, like let's do it again. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And that's where, I mean, people say all the time, like if you, you know, if you enjoy what you do, you'll never work, you know, another day in your life. And and I feel that way. I feel like I love what I do and it's not work. I feel like it's just something that I've, I've really, I've worked hard to build it. Um, but you know, it's just basketball, it's sports. Like it's so fun to be able to say it was, I was just out the other, uh, the other week with my mask on, don't worry. And, uh, this the guy asked me what I did and he said, and I told him and he said, so wait, you're like a, you're like a glorified high school gym teacher. And I said, not really. I mean, I don't know. That's kind of a weird way to put it, but I was like, I guess you can say that man. Like, you know, but uh, yeah, it's always hard to explain when people ask me what I do for a living. Cause I got to be like, Oh, I run leagues, camps, I coach, you know, this and that I run an AAU program, but um, you know, it's, hey, you got to put your hand in a lot of baskets. Yeah. I mean, that's life's so short that, you know, I mean, why not try it at least? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Especially when you can do so many things at once, like being a coach, you can do more than one thing. Like you're a coach, but you can also do like, oh, I can help this kid out. I can start this. You know, there's other ways to go than just like you're a single head coach. There's yeah. way more. Than that. Yeah. Yeah. I think, um, you know, like, and you see it too with, with kids, you know, like Marcus, you know, you remember Marcus Martin, yeah. he was, you know, he now coaches one of my teams, you know, he coaches a Monstars team. He's involved with some of the administrative work, you know, and that's what I was talking about earlier. When I said it goes full circle, you, these guys join your program and, it, and it, you kind of become a family of, you know, four or five years later, they're coming back to you as, as, as young men, you know, looking to start their own path and, it's really rewarding to be able to help them to do that. You know, just like this, like, this is awesome for me to see you building something like this. And, and now like I get to be a part of it, 
you know, as, as you're growing and, and building something successful. Well, you get to like, you get to see all the aspects from these kids lives because you started coaching. I think you started coaching me when I was in like eighth grade. And I, I literally remember the conversation we had because I was on uh, Cal sports AU and I came up to you after the game. Like, you know, coach, like I, like, this is way closer than me. Like, do you guys have any like open positions on the monsters? Like I'm trying to play here. Yeah. And like, that's the thing where like you look back on it and it's like, wow, like that's how it all started. Now it's yeah. like, it's coming. Yeah. Like you were saying, it's coming all full circle. I still remember that we were, that was at uh we were at Exeter, right? Yeah. 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 And it's, you know, and I, I knew who you were. Like I had, cause you know, you were a spring forward kid. So some of the guys were like, yeah, like he's, and I kind of felt the same way. I was like, man, why isn't he playing for us? Like he should be <laughs> over here. So it all, it worked out. It was, you know. But um, I, I do. I remember that. I remember you coming up to me. It had that red Cal sports uniform on and you were like, hey, coach, I'm looking for somewhere new to play. And, um, I was happy to have you. Yeah. The real reason the coach off knew me is because I was dropping like 30, 50 points a game every once in a while. You know, just kept it real low key. Should have went to the league, but I'm only 5'8". But <laughs> that's a story <laughs> for another day. So, coach, like, yeah. how did you exactly come up with the idea of like starting the Monstars? Um, it actually was, uh, at Springford when my first year there, I think guys like Jake Friedman and Macanias and Nigel and all those guys, um, they had played together AAU wise and they had tried, you know, competitive edge and some other places and they wanted to do their own thing. And they came to me cause they knew I could get gym space through my leagues that I run. And I still remember we were in the cafeteria because it was back when we had mandatory study hall. And they said, you know, can we start our own AAU program? And I was like, well, yeah, you know, I've, I've given some thought to that. If I wanted to do it, I want to call it the mom stars, you know, like I was a big space jam fan <laughs> and they all laughed. And, and I said, I'm serious. Like, you know, uh, and then that, I guess it was maybe, a month later we had tryouts at the Hill school and we had like eight teams in the first year. And then the second year we had like 20 teams, you know, and it kind of just really took off from there. Um, and, you know, there's a lot of good programs in the area, like the Jaguars, you know, competitive edge Cal, which is awesome because there's more, op- it used to be like when I was in high school, it was one or two teams. And if you didn't make one or two of those teams, that was it. You weren't going to play. And it was a sh- it was a shame kind of because I feel like it would have helped a lot of more a lot more kids mm-hmm. get an opportunity, not for the exposure stuff or anything like that, but just to play, to have practice twice a week, to work on their game. Um, so I was happy to start another program in the area. And it's like you started that. Like it's it's cool to say that. Like looking back on it now, like you the the conversation you start like let like let's do it like why not like what's the yeah. worst thing that happens like yeah. we play awful and you know we, we scrap it we go on with our lives i'm still a high school basketball coach and the hard part is for like anything new is just starting something in yeah. general it's like everyone's biggest fear of the jump over the cliff yeah that's and you know um you said it earlier and it's it's true like life is so short where you know I was a guy in my early twenties and I, I love sports. I love coaching. And I kind of, I think the same way as you were, I'm just like, you know what, what's the worst that could happen? The worst that could happen is that it doesn't work. And then you, you know, you, you pick yourself up. And as 
I hear people say you keep on keeping on. And then I wonder you where know, you got that saying. <laughs> and then, uh, and yet, and you, you learn from it. Like, trust me, there were the first year or two, I, there were plenty of days driving home from the Hill school or Wincroft. And I was like, what am I doing with my life? Like, this is just, but then I don't know, you attack it the next day and you know, you do it for the people that you care about. Well, I think that most people that try and become successful at the end of the day, their first thing is like, well, I want money. Like I want this, like I want to drive a nice car, but it's, it's really not about that. It's that you're, I just did an interview with my cousin, Alan, who like he's, he ran his father's company and he grew it even bigger to what it is. But besides that, he was saying that it was the never the money that drove me. It was success because once you succeed, it's like, it's like a craving. Like you got like, I want more of this. Yeah. I definitely think that it's, it's the, the success, uh, that, that pushes you, but it's also too, like, you kind of feel like a self-made man. You know what I mean? Like you look around and you're like, wow, like I started this, like this wouldn't be here. And yeah, there's always people along the way. And trust me, there were, I mean, like, I think back to, you know, Mr. and Mrs. Begg, you know, helping out the first couple of years, your parents, there were families that really, were, you know, very instrumental in helping with the program. And it, it wouldn't have happened without those families, you know, like Mr. Stumpo and other other people. So um, it wasn't just me kind of like sitting in an office all day, every day, doing it all on my own. It, when you have successful business, company, organization, it takes a lot of people to, to make it happen. You can never do anything by yourself even if like you see these entrepreneurs like talk about like yeah i did this like all by myself you really didn't someone else helped you like someone else had to have helped you at some point whether it was finances whether it was just like knowledge like i'm sure when you walk into it how am i going to run a program like i I have no idea did anyone really help you out in that sense of just like how to like how to start this at least yeah so um you know, my dad has run his own business for, you know, a good part of 30 years. So he was pretty instrumental in helping me with anytime you're the boss or you're the owner or whatever your title is, like, you have to kind of set an example from top to bottom. And I think early on, I had good people around me, like the bags, your parents, you know, Mrs. Rance, uh, Mr. Stumpo, like, people who really cared about the program, they weren't just doing it to do it. They, they wanted to see it succeed. And those, those people helped me a lot with just the little things like ordering the uniforms and, you know, organizing some of the practice space. Uh, Cause you can't, one guy can't do all of that. It's just physically impossible. And that was a lesson that I learned early on was you have to be good. A, a good leader is a good delegator as well you know, to, to getting people involved and, and making sure that they help out. You need to know what you're good at and what you're not good at. Like that's, that's what really shows like the true character of who you are. Cause I'll be honest, like all the like logos and everything that like for my podcast, like my friend Liv made it. Cause I straight up told her, I said, I am awful at like knowing what looks good. Can you help me with this? Yeah. I'm sure it's yeah. the same thing with like the monsters. Like, I don't know how to make these jerseys like I know that you have somewhat of a better idea. Could you help me out with that? Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. And that's and where, that like, was, yeah. yeah. That was kind of, you know, like with a lot of different things, you, you 
divvy it up into four or five sections of like uniform scheduling, you know, paying the officials. And once everybody finds their niche that they're good at, it, things run a lot more smoothly. And I, I think that that definitely, that helps. Oh, of course. And especially the point where I think Coach Hawk, more than just a likable guy, I think that, you know, you're a coach, but you're more considered like a player's coach. And that's something that I feel like every every team needs because not everyone loves going straight to the head coach all the time and telling them what's up because it's a little intimidating. It might be a little bit scary. So <laughs> I know that like most players kind of see you as a brother more than just a coach. Yeah. And what does that like really mean to you? Uh, it means a lot, actually. It's uh, I, I had a, a professor in college. I took a principles of coaching class and he used to compare uh, a team to a Fortune 500 company. You have your head coach who's like your CEO, you know, then you have your assistant JV coach who's kind of like your hands-on manager with the employees that they feel more comfortable with going to. And then you have your players who are the employees. And I've always tried to just go off of that, you know, principle of it where Coach Tally, uh, I, you know, he would have to be the bad cop. I mean, when he was, when he was the, when, you know, he's the head coach. It's not easy being the head coach and you need a good cop to kind of balance you out. And I, I think I played that role pretty well in the movie, um, you know, but and I think he played that his role pretty well as well. I think most guys would agree, but it's, it's something that I cared about a lot. And he cared about a lot, you know, anytime I ever went to him with anything that a player ever had a concern about, he took it to heart. And I think that's what made us a, a good duo and a, a great program is he trusted me enough to have those conversations with guys and Ronan, I'll tell you, there was a thousand conversations I would have with guys and I would say, all right, I'll talk to coach. And I wouldn't talk to coach because I just knew that it was something that was either going to make him mad or, you know, like, and he trusted me with that. He trusted me enough to be like, okay, kick the information upstairs that you really think I need to know. Cause he can't be bothered with 10 million things. I mean, he's got about 900 kids already. So, you know, he's, yeah, a, that is really true. Coach Tally had, it was, he have four daughters now Four. Yeah. shout out to his starting five though. Cause now he's <laughs> got five kids. So that's great. That's crazy to think about. But um, aside from that, you got to know how to play your role. And especially right. with that, I mean, there's always times where there's some bigger things where you got to bring up to El Jefe, but there's yeah. also some things that you could react in the moment and it's not that big of a deal. Yeah, it, yeah, it's just something you need to say to to just say. It's not like you truly actually mean it. It's just a reactionary thing. Like Mr. Seltzer was saying that he tries to whenever he gets like a bad email or something that he um he just doesn't react to it right away. He'll read it because when you first do something or you first see something that's negative effectively, you're gonna react with emotion and not logic. Yeah, and and I think that was uh. You know, some people have that 24 hour rule, you know, where they they sleep on it. You know, they kind of think about it. And then the next day they they decide how they want to react and how they want to, you know, address the situation. But sure. I mean, there were plenty of times with players, guys would come to me and I would either give them an honest answer, you know, or I would just flat out say, like, 
I'll talk to coach about it. And if it was something that I just knew didn't need to be addressed and that they maybe just had to figure it out on their own, that's what I would do. And I'd say about 95% of the time that worked out, you know, there's always that. Yeah. So, but yeah, there's always those times where like it it doesn't work out and that's okay. Like it's human error. It happens to everyone. You're always going to make a mistake somewhere along the along the way. Yeah. And that's in like anything that you do. You can put that in any context, guys. Like I, there's nothing, no one is going to be a hundred percent perfect all the time. Right. Right. And that's where, uh, and that's, you know, I think that's what made us, uh, like I said before, a, a good program was that, that balance that we had, you know, where he would even say to me, sometimes he would call me on like a Sunday before the week of practice started. And he was like, all right, what's going on? Like what's like, you know, what's cause he's, he was a great head coach. He was a guy who wanted to be plugged in and there would be times where I would just say, you know what? It's really not, he's got enough on his plate. I'll handle that one, you know, myself. So, um, but it's, I'm, I'm going to miss coaching with those guys. It was a lot of fun. And, uh, I'm excited for when I can talk about the segment, when I can talk about your highlights, your career <laughs> highlights, because there's some that I want to, I want to bring up. We well, I mean, to- we, I mean, we can we can roll in if we're talking about me for a change instead. Of, uh, <laughs> <laughs> but um, like, what was the most like rewarding thing that you think was brought up to you when you were coaching at Springford? Um, in all seriousness, you are one of the top three uh, moments where it was a home game your senior year, and you hit that four point play. You know what I'm talking about. Coach, do I know what you're talking? It's only the peak (laughs) of my existence. (laughs) And uh, you came up to me in the parking lot after the game. And I still remember you shook my hand and you were like, hey, coach, I just wanted to say thank you for always believing in me and that opportunity. Because I don't know if I've heard that gym that loud you know, for an individual player moment like that. And honestly, Ronan, it was one of those things where you're such a likable guy, but you're also such a hardworking guy that I think people in that moment, they saw like, wow, like, and they just went nuts. Like it was, it was almost like laughable, like how crazy the gym went for, we were up by like 25. It was a four point play. And uh, I'll always remember that I was walking to my car and you, I heard like, Hey, coach Hoff. And I was like, Oh, what are you still doing here? And you were like, Oh, I just wanted to say thank you. You know, like that. And I'll, oh, that, that to me is, is definitely one of the most rewarding moments. Well, the thing to me was that I knew that I was not going to be the best player on, on that team. I'm five, eight. I have a half decent jump shot and I was decently strong. You got to find your role in anything that you do. If you can help just a little bit, you're helping. Like, yeah. I knew that my some of my talents on the court would not help us win. So I, you know, you take the backseat role and you figure out what you're gonna do best. And you know, moments happen. Like that's everything happens. Like it, honestly, like I, I blacked out when that happened. Like it was <laughs> it was insane when I just like I, like I remember blinking the shot going in and yeah. on the ground. I'm like, no way that went in. Like come yeah. on, yeah, uh, it was it was all. And I just love it happened right in front of our bench. Like it was just it was perfect. And I'm a big believer in, you know, karma going 
you know, for the good as well. And I feel like that was good karma for all that you had done for the program and all the work that you put in. And that meant a lot to me, you know, man to man, but also player to coach that, you know, you said something to me after the game, because um, I know, you know, it was, it was something that you really meant and you were genuine in it. Well, things just, I think more people nowadays like just take things for what it is. If things happen, like things happen, but there's always like a deeper meaning behind it. Like take that look below the surface of the iceberg for like a, just a change of change of view, because <clears throat> like, I would not have been able, like, I didn't even know if I was going to play basketball in my senior year. Like I hated it. Like I knew I wasn't going to play, but you got to stick it out. I think that's the reason that like how you earn respect, because when bad things happen, you're still there and you're still trying. Yeah. No, I, I, I mean, I couldn't agree more. I mean, it's, you know, there's that that's, and that's so much with life too. And I think why sports are so such a, a good way to compare to, to everyday life. Like you're going to get knocked down and you're going to get some bad breaks and there's going to be times where you just feel like it's not worth it. You know, that it's just not, you know, whether that's your job one day or a relationship that you're in and, you know, with, with sports, you just said it yourself. I mean, you, you owe it to yourself and your teammates to continue through and thank God you did because, you know, when you're, you know, you're a millionaire 10 years from now, I'm going <laughs> to tell my fat spoiled little kid, like, Hey, I coached that guy, you know, and he hit a four point play right in front of our bench and uh, here's some Dr. Pepper because I know because I know my kid will love it, but um, just <laughs> like I do. So you, you got to appreciate. And when the high points, when the high points finally hit you, you got you have to appreciate the moment. Take it in. Like they don't yeah. come around every so often. Yeah. It, when it does happen, you got to internalize that feeling a little bit. Like you did have something happen to you that was kind of extraordinary. Like even though it was it had no difference in the game or anything, but 10 years from now, I'm going to say I won the pack chip off of it. Yeah, but, yeah, um, <laughs> exactly. yeah. We can alter it a little bit. That's fine. <laughs> yeah. But you need that. You need guys like live in the live so that you have that moment that you appreciate things like a little bit more than like you would because it's just it means a lot more when things do hit you that are bad you're gonna you're gonna appreciate that more when you're you know successful when you really make the climb up the mountain things like that really change who you are and that's like that's where the whole character development in the movie happens you know you're the protagonist that has all these things happen to you, but at the end you figure out how to, you know, defeat the villain or whatever it is. And in this case, it was a four point play. I'm going to plug that a lot this episode. It was, it was great. It's not my peak guys. If you guys want to know what the Ronan Bell's peak was that with the four point play in high school. <laughs> no, I'm sure there's, there's going to be, there's going to be more down the road, but that, that is one of the pillars that help you, that helped you get to where you are today. That four point play was, uh, it was that yeah, that was so much fun. It was awesome. Oh yeah, of course. And the thing was that, you know, nothing in life goes, you know, the way that you think it's gonna go. I mean, there's there's things, there's bumps in the road. And coach, the next question I want to ask you is I know that you had a pretty big bump in the road um during a practice. Could you tell the listeners a little bit about that? Yeah, so I um I guess it was was that your sophomore year? I think I was a, I don't even think I, I was my freshman year. Oh, your freshman year. Okay. Yeah. Um, I, you know, whether it was stress or, you know, um, I don't, I really don't know what happened you know, it might've been a, 
a panic attack, um, some sort. I, I legitimately thought I was having a heart attack at, at practice. And I remember I, I like dropped to the ground. You know, I, I thought I was dying, you know, guys on the team were crying, you know, like it was, um, I was crying. I mean, it was, it was, it was rough. Like the coaches were surrounding me, trainer, Dan, um, shout out to TD. We love you, bro. Hope you're listening. Uh, but, uh, you know, it was, it was rough and it kind of made me take a step back. Um, I've shared with you before and I've shared with people, you know, I've, I've dealt with mental health issues, you know, for 15 years of my life. And, you know, you were at the one team camp where I, I called you guys into the lobby and we, we talked about it as a group. Um, you know, and I remember guys an hour after that meeting came up to me, you know, and told me about stuff that they were going through. Uh, but that, that practice was, it was kind of, it was like a, a real eye opener that I had to take better care of myself. You know, I had to, you know, I had to deal with some of these issues and it was hard. I mean, it was, it was part of it was embarrassing that it happened, but um, like anything, you know, a year or two later, I was able to to laugh it off because we were at team camp and one of the skits, I think someone did an impression of me, uh, which is, which is low key, the most, uh, I guess, savage thing you guys say. Yeah. Savage thing you can do, but it was, uh, it was, it was something I could laugh at. And I remember coach Tally looked at me after they did it and I was just cracking up. So it was, but yeah, that was tough. I had to miss a couple games. Um, you know, I, I wasn't sure, you know, what the deal was. I was kind of scared. I mean, I was in the hospital, you know, for, I wasn't sure if I had heart problems or this and that, but, um, a lot of people reached out to me, including you, you know, I remember guys texting me. One of the texts that stick in my mind, uh, Stephen Brill texted me and said, coach, I, I hope you're better soon. So we can, so we're back on the court and, uh, we can get technicals together. That was, uh, I'll never forget. That was like one of the texts I got. So yeah, it was, but I would say that was definitely one of the the bumps in the road for me. And the bumps in the road happened to everyone. But the thing that I, I like that you're saying is that you were like able to overcome it. Like now two years go by and it's like, it's nothing. It's a brush off your shoulder. Like right. if you can get through that, you can do whatever the hell you want. Like you can right. get through anything if you can get through that. Yeah. 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 And, and that was, you know, and it goes back to kind of the theme that we were talking about where guys on the team kind of rallied around me, coaches rallied around me, you know, um, cause it's, it's real. I mean, the, the struggles that people go through with mental health issues can turn to physical issues. And I, that's why I try and be someone that is kind of like the face of, you know, a coach that you can talk to about that kind of stuff. I want to be known as a coach that you can approach about those type of things. And, you know, um, I, I'm still that guy today. And it's, it's been a, it's been something that I really care about. And nowadays it's, you know, there's a lot more um, emphasis on mental health and I've talked to about it with a couple of my guests and the point that like I, I like bringing up is like, it is okay to not be okay a hundred percent of the time. Right. Like it ha- like it happens. Things happen. It yeah. is okay to sit down for a little bit and grieve, but when the time comes, you gotta get you gotta get back up. If you keep going, I'm assured that when like all that happened, when you got back out on the court, like that was 
way more helpful than everything else besides like obviously you know going to the hospital and everything yeah I mean it was it was uh I still remember the first game back you know I kind of uh it was kind of surreal like you know people were coming up to me and they were like oh you know I hope everything's okay this and that and part of me it was like you know I just wanted people to to not bring it up you just want to move on and not talk about it but you have to put a positive spin on it and be like, wow, you know, I should consider myself lucky that this many people care enough about me to go out of their way to say, you know, like, Hey, like, you know, let me know if you need anything, hope you're doing all right, this and that. So, um, that was, I appreciated that a lot. When it shows how good of a person you are, when you're, when you go down, it's like when, you know, no man left behind, like someone goes down, like we all go down with you. Like right. when, when you're coming back up, we're all going to come back up with you. We can't let you sh- stay behind where, while we are all moving forward. And that's like, that's what life is guys. Like you need to, when you have like a good group, like that mean that will pick you up out of the bad times. Like I'm sure all the people that, you know, did text you or did that, like in retrospect, in the time you were like, I mean, it's just like a text, but at the end of the day, like that, like little thing could have changed your mind that day, like a little oh, bit. And yeah, yeah. Yeah. And that's, I mean, you're only as good as the people that you surround yourself with. You know, I'm a, I'm a big believer in that. Um, whether that's your friends, family, your coworkers, you know, your teammates, you know, you have to be someone that, like you said, you know, that no man left behind mentality. And I try and be that way as a friend, as a coach, as a son, as, as a, you know, as a person. And I just, uh, you know, that's something that's very genuine when I say I'll always be that way. I'll always be that guy who, you know, anyone can come to me and tell me anything and I won't think less of them because I know what it's like to go through some of those low periods, you know, with mental health. And, um, you know, so I'm, I'm happy to be that guy for people to lean on. That's why I tried to start like this podcast because of conversations like this, like that if you're going through something similar, like realize that like you are not alone in any battle that you are facing. There should be, there is one other person on this earth, at least one that can help you out of any situation that you are going through. That's what more people have to realize that you are never alone. Even when you think you're alone, you, you aren't like there's always, there is always someone, there is always someone. Yeah. I mean, there's, uh, you know, there's so many outlets now for, you know, whether it's podcasts or, you know, just people, you know, online, this and that, like so many ways to just talk about some of the stuff you're going through. And I feel like the last couple of years, your generation, um, you know, technically, I don't know what the generations are age to age wise, but have have done a great job of being young people who aren't going to be quiet anymore. You know what I mean? Like they're going to talk about how they feel and they're not going to bottle it up and just continue to be, you know, like robots of, Oh yeah, it's not, it's not normal for men to talk about depression or it's not normal for, you know, women to talk about anxiety or this and that. That's just not the case. You got to be people who take a step forward and say, this is how I'm feeling. And once you get it out there, you'll realize that you're not alone. Like you said. Yeah. I mean, it's the point of moving, moving forward that you need to keep 
keep going through anything that you're going through. Like you can't, you cannot stay down forever. And that's, that isn't even going with like, uh, with opinions. Like if you have a problem, like say it out loud, don't go on Twitter and make some, you know, naive comment to someone that it's like very indirect, but it's also very direct about who you're talking about. Talk to that person. I'm sure that you can figure something out no matter what it is. If you have a problem, go talk, don't go tweet. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think, I mean, every, uh, I had a teacher in high school who, who, and it still rings true. He said, you know, every generation thinks that they have all the answers. And I, I think that the, the younger generation that we have right now, and, you know, I'm in my early thirties, like I'm part of this, you know, generation still from like the two thousands, like we don't have the best we're so technology based. I don't think we have the best interpersonal skills. So it's rare to, for people to be able to disagree and have a a good normal conversation. People are very contentious these days. And, you know, that's something we have to work on as a society, being able to disagree, you know, like politely and not get quote unquote triggered as they say. But, uh, you know, I think that you guys have done a great job of being like, Hey, you know, we're, we're done, you know, turning to alcohol, drugs, you know, other avenues to hide how we feel. We're going to talk about it and we're going to put it out there in the open. And it's, uh, it's what we need. It's what society needs. Yeah, of course. I mean, talking helps so much. Like talking will help anyone th- through most things. The more that you can talk, the more you'll better understand, the more other people understand about like what, what you are exactly going through, because sometimes it's, it's not on the surface. It's way deeper than that. Right. 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 Yeah. I mean, that's, yeah, no, I mean, I was just going to say, I mean, I think that that's half the battle is just like you, you said, you summed it up perfectly. There's someone else out there going through something very similar, you know, so you're not alone and you know, you just, you know, you have to take that risk. We were talking about taking risk with other stuff. You have to take that risk and put yourself out there and, and talk about it. Yeah. A hundred percent, a hundred percent coach. So going into like, what kind of like keeps motivating you through, you know, the bad times, good times, like what keeps you moving forward? Really? Is there any like motivation factor for you? Yeah. I mean, uh, uh obviously your, your family, you know, like my, my wife and my immediate family and my friends, you know, they, they help push me through because you're, you're, you're working hard for not only yourself, but you're working hard for them as well. Um, this it's, you know, it sounds corny and, um, I know your millions of listeners are going to hear me talk about this. So, you know, it, it is what it is, but, um, whenever I get stressed or, I get like kind of depressed or this and that I will say things to myself. I'll kind of be driving. And, and one of the things I say is um, if I'm, if I go down, I'm going to go down swinging, you know, and that's, and that's like a fighter's mentality that I have where, you know, if I'm going to fail or if I'm going to go down, like I'm, I'm not going down without a fight. So let me know if you want to get 500 t-shirts of those printed up and maybe we'll, we'll sell them through the, uh, Oh, those are going out the window. So, (laughs) (laughs) but, uh, yeah, so that's, that keeps me motivated. Kind of just finding those little, those little things to talk yourself through it. 
Um, and I got that from my parents. My parents, you know, were big into that of kind of like, hey, just take a deep breath and remind yourself of it could always be worse. You know, it could always be worse and and pick yourself up and, and keep going. Yeah, put it in the perspective. Like the more you can put things in the perspective, like the wider the audience. Like honestly, if you woke up today and you breathed, congratulations. Like that's a yeah, huge exactly. thing. Yeah. Like yeah. you gotta appreciate things like that for times like that when you think that like uh, I mean, like, oh, we lost the game. Like, at the end of the day, I mean, you lost. It's okay. Like, yeah, yeah. If you breathed, you're fine. You're still alive. I mean, you're still you're still here. Yeah, I think you know. You're right. I mean, it's it's good to we've become a society that's so like we want instant gratification and we don't appreciate the little things. And you know, you're right. It's you know, we need to do a better job of taking a step back and being like, wow, I have a lot to be thankful for like don't be that don't be that guy that just says like you're thankful for that one thing on thanksgiving like actually actually be thankful if you have if you have food on your plate like roof over your head and a bed to sleep in that's awesome like if you have something to go home to not everyone has that yeah having a bad day you're really not having a bad day it could always be worse yeah and um coach off before we uh before we get in the quote segment i like to ask all Oh my guess, just if you had one piece of wisdom to, you know, pass on to the listeners out there, what would that be? Um, I would say, you know, it sounds so simple, but just, just be yourself. You know what I mean? Be proud of, of who you are, where you've came from, you know, where you're going, you know, just if, if you're a good person and you have some core principles that you can fall back on, and you try and, you know, I just, to me, that's so important is you just have to be true to who you are and you have to be, you know, be yourself. And I know that people are kind of like, ah, yeah, that's such an easy thing to say, but it, in today's world, it's hard to be yourself. Sometimes, you know, people feel like they have to conform and fit in and, you know, they're afraid. Um, but you know, you only get one life might as well be happy and, and be true to who you are, you know, while you're here. I couldn't have said it better myself. I mean, you, you have to be okay with like who you are. So what? You're not the most good looking dude in the room. So what? You don't have, you know, all the nice things. You don't have the new iPhone. Who cares? As long as you're, as long as you can fall back on like what you were saying, fall back on those principles. It's okay. Like be yeah. happy who you are. Like you only got this one, one chance once. So yeah. why not, you know, take on every day with, you know, a smile and a happy face. I try and, you know, I tell all my friends, no matter when I see them, I don't say hi, I say good morning, because that's like a good thing to say when, you know, it's more personal than hi, it's more personal than hello, because if something, if no one heard that, like this morning, you know, they heard it from me, even though it'd be like 12 o'clock at night and we're on Xbox or yeah. whatever, you, yeah. you got to yeah. at least try and, you know, bring someone up out of whatever they're doing if they can have that instant or like that small bit of just like a smirk or something if you think it's funny i mean i hope that that like can brighten up someone's day and i don't really tell people that because you know now my secret's out but um (laughs) it's just like it's something little that like you can you can help someone else out because if they're if they are having a bad day they snap back into it and be like all right man like maybe it's not that bad maybe i just like and, ha- and having a bad day because everyone has it. Everyone makes mistakes. Everyone goes through the, you know, the little bumps in the road on the master path. But at the end of the day, you're always going to come out on top if you keep on keeping on. Available at the Ronan Bell Show um, 
but uh, <laughs> coach, so uh, we're getting to the end of the episode. So before I, uh, before we turn off the mics, I just like to, you know, have all my guests bring in like a quote that they like to read or, you know, something, a mantra that, you know, they, they carry with them heavily. So what would that be for you? Um, you know, I, I kind of, uh, I, I do like that one where I talked about, um, you know, if I, if I go down, I'm going down swinging, you know, that was something that I, I try and, uh, live my life by and, and kind of just, um, there's some, there's some ones from Winston Churchill that I'm a fan of. If I can, if I can put oh, one up here, coach, you got all the time in the world, man. Um, from all the dumb stuff I retweet. Um, so Winston Churchill has one. It is success is not final. Failure is not fatal. It is the courage to continue that counts. And I think that, I think that that's something, you know, he, he was obviously for our history buffs. He was the guy that kind of saved saved, you know, Britain during World War II. And, you know, I think that mentality right there just sums up what you and I talked about, you know, that you're going to get knocked down or you're going to get, you know, dragged through the mud here and there, but your highs don't last forever and your lows don't last forever. And, you know, that's why you got to appreciate the, those big moments when they come. And, you know, when those tough moments come, you just have to remember what it feels like to get yourself out of them. Yeah. That's, it's a great way of putting it because we like, if you're going to try something, put it, put your effort into it. Like, yeah. Why would you try and have to do something if you can put all your effort into it? I like to, I like to go back to the point of just like basketball in general, like in high school or just school in general. Like I know I, I don't love school, but I try at least like if you're, if you're going to do something, at least, try yeah it's not it's not hard to at least put forth an effort to do whatever you're gonna do yeah definitely and i mean if at the end of the day if you gave everything you had you know that's good enough that's got to be you're able to look in the mirror and you know know that you know you gave 110 percent i think that that's that that definitely means something yeah it's satisfying at the end of the day when you say even if you don't get 100 on that test even if you don't you know six if you don't score 20 points a game it's okay. Did you put everything you had into it? If you did, good. Like, yeah, that's what you got. It, it's okay not to, you know, achieve your goals. If that happens, figure out how to be better. Like, there's yeah, always yeah. steps. You can always get better, no matter what you do. Like, I, I talk about, like, just starting the podcast. My first episodes were awful, but now I'm like, I'm starting to get better because you know I'm doing this more and more, and just you, know, you through you do whenever you do something, you will learn way more through doing it than anything else any youtube video that you can watch oh yeah yeah trial by fire yeah i agree so yeah all right guys so that's pretty much a wrap for uh this is episode episode four of season two i've recorded like three podcasts in the past two days so it's uh it's all kind of <laughs> going together but coach Hoff, i'd just like to thank you for coming on the show today man it was a great conversation um is there anything that you want to plug before we go on with our day no i mean i um you know i just i would definitely tell people to keep supporting you and what you're doing because it's uh it means a lot to us to see you doing well and I'm, I'm very proud of you you know i love you and it's definitely uh 
you know, hopefully I can get some of the kickback when the royalties start coming in, in a, in a couple of years. So I'll, I'll give you another final shout out. You know, this guy knows what he's doing. Keep listening. And uh, as they say, keep, keep on, keep it on. I love you too, boss, man. So guys, that's a wrap for season two, episode four. Um, if you aren't already, make sure you hit that follow button. If you're listening to this on Spotify, Apple podcast, if you're watching this on YouTube, Hey, um, I make sure you press that subscribe button. Help me a lot. I'm trying to get to a thousand subscribers and hit that bell. So you get notified whenever a new podcast comes out. I got some really great things in the works. You know, we might do a little 10 minute podcast. I don't know what, what's in the works. I mean, you got, you got to wait and see. I'm not going to tell you guys about it. Why would you even listen to it or like my Instagram? <laughs> Come on, it's gotta be some excitement. Also guys, I have merchandise. Keep on keeping all merch is out now. I have sweatshirts. I should have beanies in while this when this episode comes out. It's great. All the profit that I get from this goes straight back into the podcast, goes straight back into the merchandise, so I can keep putting out content for you guys, putting out more things, you know, making some things more affordable, making the quality of the podcast better. Everything that I make goes straight back into this, guys. I'm not taking any money. Those are all available at theronanbellshow.com. And, guys, that is it for me today. I've been talking a lot. I need to go drink some water and go to bed or take a nap. Um, but guys, that's pretty much it. So if, uh, if you aren't having a good day, I hope you have a good, good rest of your day. And as always, y'all just keep on keeping on.